Welcome to a Labor Day episode of the Nick Davis Show. I'm your host, Nick Davis. As always, you can find me on social media at K-N-I-C-K-D-A-V-I-S, Nick Davis, with two Ks. The K stands for cool, because you know who the fuck I am. I ain't no fool. Anyways, guys, how you been? I've been pretty good, actually. My life has been um, pretty stable, kind of boring, actually. Uh, I did have my... uh, First live stand-up show in a while. Uh, this last Friday went very well. I had a little guest set, popped on to a show. Uh, did some new jokes, did some old bits, had some good times, saw some old friends. But I'll tell you this. I, there was a guy on the show, good friend of mine, um, known him for years. You can say a lot of positive things about him, but I'm not going to say them right now. What I'm going to focus on is instead just this type of demeanor, this type of person that exists in the world who I am tired of. I am so tired of people that can't let anything be good. I'm so tired of people that can't find anything positive in a situation when they only find the negatives. No matter what, it's a negative. For instance, this guy, I don't want to name a name, but he's a hes a comic I know, and the whole show is people I knew for the most part, which is always fun. There was a new girl on there that... uh. I've seen her perform before, but never been on a show with her, so I had a chance to interact with her, and that was really cool, and she was positive, fun, and uplifting, and very funny, and very silly, and everything I like in comedy. But what I'm tired of is people, they can't celebrate someone that they know success, or can't find joy in other people's happiness, that everything everything they are about is diminishing other people's work. And it always seems to come from a place of arrogance, comes from a place of ego, and I just don't like it, frankly. It's like, if you're going to be this way, you might as well go join banking. Like, can you get out of the artistic endeavors? Can you go just do something that is solely used to crush and collapse people? I just don't understand it. I mean, I don't like to dwell on it, but I like to complain about it. You know, it's just, I don't understand why people feel the need to be so negative. Um, It's very tiring for someone like myself who, you know, has a fair share of things that I could be negative about, but I choose to stay positive. And if I can do it, you can do it too. You know, it's not that hard. It's like a life choice thing. But I think it's also easy for people to get trapped in their booze and trapped in their drinking. And it's easy for them to sit in this world of sorrow and this world of sadness to just sit in their misery and despair and keep drinking their light beers until they die. Because all they have is sports, wings, and beer. What a happy life. And thankfully, my life has gotten less sad, less sorrow-filled as I've quit drinking, as I've gotten my mental health unlocked. So it's just hard for me to relate to those people. I mean, I used to live in that space, you know. I used to, There was, I mean, there was a time when I mentioned it before on the podcast, but I drank for probably three months straight every night. Three months, boom, 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 just pounding them back. Just shitty beer, Jack and Cokes. I uh, got a little into gin for a while because I like to make mistakes. I actually once dropped a whole bo- a whole unopened bottle of Tanqueray gin on the floor because I had it in my pocket. Um, I was uh, working at a bar, and the thing about working in the service industry is like it's not just working. Like you know, like part of the job in the service industry is hanging out with your coworkers after work and using all of your tip money that you just made to get drunk beyond belief and then you can't pay your rent and then you've got to go back and work a double the next day because you just spent all your money the night before and then guess what that night too you go out drinking again so it's just the easiest way to get wrapped up into drinking culture working in the service industry it's like you're getting paid to be an alcoholic and one of the nights 
that we used to, well, our restaurant would close at 10 o'clock, uh, loosely 10. The kitchen would close at 10, and then the bar would kind of close after whenever there weren't people in. And then after that, the employees would stay and get pissed drunk till whatever time we decided to leave. I was there. There were nights where I was there until 4 a.m. drinking at a bar, and then I drove 30 minutes home because definitely not an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Um, but one of these nights, we um, the restaurant were, uh, was part of a, uh, a martini competition at the local zoo, and uh, the competition provided the alcohol for each restaurant to make the martini of their choosing. And my bar manager chose to use, um, I believe it was Tanqueray. Yeah, it was Tanqueray, the green bottle. And uh, so he had a bunch of extra bottles of Tanqueray, so he came back from the competition, I was working the restaurant, and he and another bartender came back with about six extra bottles of Tanqueray. So he was handing them out like candy. So we're drinking the Tanqueray. I'm having some gin and tonic. Some, uh, I think I had like a vodka soda too as well. I was just getting my fucking drink on, you know. Like like alcoholic Nick was fucking drinking like his job depended on it because it kind of did. And... Um, I remember I was really drunk, and when I get drunk, I tend to, uh, well, I don't do it anymore, but when I used to get drunk, I uh, would tend to do a Macho Man Randy Savage impression. Oh, yeah. And uh, my coworkers thought it was great because they were drunk too, even though it's like just okay at best. And if anyone, if you can't do a Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation, it's because you haven't tried. It's one of the easiest impersonations you could ever do. All you do is make your voice a little raspy, brother. Here's the thing there, the macho man's back there, brother. <coughs> I haven't done it in a while. Jesus Christ. Amen, Christ on the cross, Christ on the stick. Don't don't curse me. Um But yeah, I was we were drinking and I had a whole bottle of Tanqueray in my winter coat, and I took a turn around the bar and the whole thing just smashed on the ground. And then I, while near blackout drunk, managed to go downstairs in the restaurant get the mop bucket and the mop, fill it up with water, sweep up the glass, and mop the whole thing up. All my coworkers were just astonished at my ability to walk, nonetheless accomplish cleaning tasks in a precise way. And then I drove home because I'm a Wisconsin boy, all right? And I'm not proud of that, but I think it's important to admit our sins and our nefarious acts of the past because so many people are afraid of them but like the truth sets you free so like you know like sometimes i've you know in middle school i masturbated in the bathroom sometimes you know the truth sets you free it is what it is so yeah i used to be a an alcoholic of sorts i don't know if it's necessarily alcoholism but i had alcohol problems and i quit drinking kind of to take care of my health and uh my health is i mean i don't know if i ever talked about this too much on the podcast i think i mentioned it in the past but uh I am diagnosed bipolar, which is <laughs> quite the time. Um, most of the time, though, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's pretty easy. I mean, I'm on meds that are appropriate now. I quit drinking. Uh, the biggest thing is taking care of my sleep and making sure that I sleep the appropriate amount, the appropriate times. And um, if, as long as I do that, my moods kind of stay stable and my life kind of stays stable. But it's like when I get wonky and off the rails, uh, you know, I know. It's pretty obvious. You know, I, I tend to have... Uh, some fun paranoid delusions if I'm not on my shit. And uh, it recently came to a head in uh, my second big manic episode. The first one was involved a trip to New York City where I uh, just woke up one morning and I was like, all right, I've got to go to New York City. And I just like 
quit my jobs frantically, went to New York City to try to, like, make connections in comedy, and I ended up uh, missing my flight back uh, in LaGuardia, which is a hellscape of an airport, and uh, ended up accidentally ingesting 250 milligrams of edible marijuana, uh, which, when you're already having a manic episode, is kind of the uh, one of the worst things you could do, I'd suppose. It would uh, mm, kind of push me over the edge a little bit and kind of just kept me awake all night, high out of my mind. And I uh, came back, checked myself into a mental hospital, and, um, yeah, it was pretty wild times. That was the one three years ago. The most recent one, though, was pretty wild. So I found myself in a mental hospital in Littleton, Colorado. And uh, how I got there is quite interesting. I My family life was dealing, I was dealing with a lot of stressors. I was dealing with a lot of, a lot of shit was hitting the fan. You know, my dad had just broken his ankle. I was going to have to start taking care of him a little bit more, be more of a uh, figure on the house to help him out because no one else could. The stress of that was eating me up. I had all this money from unemployment that was, you know, causing some hypomanic or manic behavior. And it just all came to a head, and I decided one day, I'm just going to fucking L.A. I'm just going to California. You know, the same exact kind of feeling is when I headed to New York City, just west this time instead of east. And I didn't know, and I was, like, afraid of my phone, and I was, like, afraid of technology. That I think I thought that people were tracking me, and people were, like, chasing me. And uh, if you act that way long enough eventually people do start chasing you. People kind of take on, you know, they kind of see what you're doing and they kind of follow you because they think you might be up to no good. When in reality, I was just afraid. and I was just running from shit, you know, and the the mania turned that fear into paranoia and uh, I thought I was involved in espionage activities, which I'm definitely not. (laughs) I'm just a 26-year-old stand-up comedian, entertainer, podcaster, gay boy in Kenosha, Wisconsin, which now is the center of international turmoil, although it's calming. Um, but anyways, this this manic episode, I left my hometown, Kenosha here, left my town, and I just knew I had to go south and west, so I had my phone off, and I just drove south. I made it to Kansas City in one night, got pulled over once for erratic driving, but no ticket. Um, drove my 2014 cruise down there, and then the next morning I woke up at the uh, hotel I was in, went to the CarMax, traded in my car for a different vehicle, then left that vehicle at the Kansas City airport and had a flight booked to Salt Lake City to visit a friend with a connecting flight in Denver. Uh, But the guy I sat next to on the flight to Denver freaked me out, and my brain thought, hmm, this guy seems like he might be an FBI agent. Um, But obviously the delusions of the moment could create that reality, and there's... The dude was a little odd, but he was very nice. Um, His name was Jeff, and Jeff was a nice man, and my own delusions might have created a different reality for myself. Who knows? I don't know what the truth is, and I'll never know, and that's part of the fun. Um, But dude freaked me out, so I ended up getting off on my connecting flight in Denver and wanted to look uh, (laughs) look for a different way to get to Salt Lake, so I ended up going to the rental desk and trying to inquire about renting a van or i rented a vehicle but all they told me what they had was a 12 passenger van so i said sure and that cost me 750 bucks so i hop in the van from denver international airport and started just driving no phone no map to where i think salt lake city is i ended up like going west on i-80 i believe it was or i-70 i forget i think it was 70 yeah 70 and then i took uh, colorado like highway 6 up through the mountains so i'm like 
driving this 12-panel van in the rain through the mountains, neutral dropping it down hills, you know, like flashing the brights around corners. I'm crushing it, you know. But then I end up getting, like, lost, like, deep, like, deep into somewhere in, like, the mountains in Colorado. And I end up spending the night in the van, uh, just parked in some mountain town. And then all of a sudden I just dart out of there because I feel like someone's after me, which is just paranoid illusions. And uh, <clears throat> ended up making it. Uh, I think I found like a commune and met some really nice people there. They gave me some water, uh, rested for a few hours in their parking lot, uh, and then found myself up in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, the, the, the a city up there. After locking the keys in the van and breaking into the van at this rest stop, and then uh, get to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, where I was convinced that. Uh, some government agency was gonna like fuck me up with a hotel room or something delusional like i don't know what i was thinking there i just thought that this was a safe city to be in and i felt like a safe space and then i ended up buying like 70 dollars worth of pre-rolled joints from some dispensary and uh checked myself into a hotel room and that's when the wheels started to come off kind of of my brain i smoked some weed and it kind of smoothed out the incorrect conclusions that my brain was making and um from there i Got real paranoid and didn't really trust Americans, if that makes any sense. Like, white people. Like, I didn't trust white people. So I uh, headed to a Mexican restaurant, got some chips and salsa, some water, uh, frantically ordered some cheese enchiladas. Uh, and then I kept going, bouncing in and out of the restaurant to try to see if, like, people were after me. At which point, the restaurant started to really notice my behavior. And um, I think the cops were called at some point because I left the I left the front of the restaurant sort of running around the building and then jumped over the railing into their patio area and like this is destroyed a family's meal um i think i might have knocked over a little girl unfortunately which i cried about immediately but no one pressed charges so thank god um and then i was detained by the cops and then the cops transported me to a hospital i had a 72-hour mental health hold uh and stayed in the hospital mental hospital for um four nights, five days. So it was quite the trying time. And the way to sum it up is, you know, take care of your mental health. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was, it was a wild time. Uh, in the hospital, I met some really, uh, interesting people to say the least, some really good people, some really, uh, interesting people. Uh, mental hospitals for adults are weird because they put everybody in the same wing. There's people detoxing from drugs. There's people having schizophrenic episodes. There's people having manic episodes. There's people in depressive symptoms. There's people that are like on suicide watch. There's every kind of walk of mental health or mentally unstable life you have in a mental hospital. Um, I met some really cool people that kind of help you get through it because you kind of find a clique. Like you find like a, a group of people that help you get through the experience. You know, you find, like, your friends, your little squad that kind of helps you. You have meals together, and you check in, and you're like, hey, uh, how are things? Is that person insane to you, too? And you don't want to use those kind of terms, but you, like, you communicate with your eyes. Like, hey, that person, let's watch out for them. Are they okay, you know? And uh, you meet characters, though, man. Like, I met this guy, and uh, I would kind of check in on people that were new, especially kind of see how they were doing, make sure everybody was okay, make sure nobody was causing problems, you know, and kind of keeping the, the wing kind of calm, you know, because I was a little more stable than some of the individuals in there, especially once I got um, a little bit of rest and downtime and a little bit of meds in my system. Things were kind of flowing good, you know. Yeah, pretty stable in terms of mental health hospitals. So there was this one guy I checked in on, and he had a little bit of an outburst right when he got there. This uh, 
this white boy, milk toast choir singer with a fat ass, dude, like a big old donk. This is sticking out of his Levi's, just like showing it off to the world. And um, he started freaking out about something. So I checked in on him. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm good. But black people have to take their meds, too. So immediately I was like, oh, this guy's a racist son of a bitch. And um, I immediately found one of the uh, one of the guys I'd made friends with in the hospital, this large black dude. And I immediately told him that information that, hey, watch out for that guy. And um, so we immediately get a race war <laughs> on the floor. Uh, no one fights or no one anything crazy, but all of a sudden we are now in the midst of a white supremacist fuck. And uh, the next day, uh, he, the same guy, we were like listening to some music in the hallway, and he was just hanging out, and he flashed me like the like the white power hand sign, like low, and like he assumed that I was part of his little crew, his like fucking boot licking fascist, racist fucking heads, and he flashes me the white power hand thing, which is like the A OK but upside down and low. If anyone didn't know. Uh, and if you use that because I told you that, you can fucking kill yourself. Um, so he started, he flashes me like the, the white power hands. And I immediately look at him and say, no, love everybody. And he said, love everybody. I said, yeah, love everybody. And I walked away from him and immediately told that same guy. I was like, hey, this guy just flashed white power hands. I let, I let one of the nurses who was uh, a woman of color uh, who I trusted in the hospital. I told her this information as well, that this guy was perpetuating hateful views and just kind of being an all-around piece of shit, um, despite his great voice. It's really a waste that his voice was wasted on a racist. You know, like a racist with a great singing voice is kind of a disappointment. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I guess it's like, I want to be able to sing, you know, Les Mis while I, you know, beat the blacks. I don't know what a racist sings. I don't know what a racist thinks. I don't live that world. I have no idea. I don't know how you get to that point. But this guy was in the hospital, and I, so I just kind of kept my distance from him for a while, you know, kind of kept to myself, just trying to survive, you know, because once you kind of get stable in the mental hospital, the thing that actually hurts you the most is being in a mental hospital, like being in effectively prison. And you never get good information. Like, no one's ever telling you. Like, none of the nurses are communicating a great deal about when you're going to leave or your health care plan or what the hell is going on. So you're just kind of in the dark dealing with other mentally unwell people. And they're your touch base to reality, which is never a good thing. You know, you have a girl that's like, hey, yeah, you think your girl's cool. And then she tells you that the birds are trained by the FBI. And you're like, okay, all right, let's 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 move on from that because that's obviously delusional. Um the, I mean, the idea that the FBI could train birds, I agree that they could, but to think that all birds are trained by the FBI? Come on. That's insanity. think that any birds, like, they don't need birds. They have drones. They have our technology. They don't need to use the natural world against us. They're trying to kill the natural world, okay? But this guy, man, is a racist fuck. Is a racist piece of shit. He was, like... Except for being hateful and awful. He was fine to be around, I guess. No real problems. He kind of kept away from me for the most part because he knew that I didn't agree with his worldviews because I'm an empathetic individual with a soul and caring caring nature, you know, that kind of shit. You know, being a fucking human being. Um, but uh, the last thing I did in the hospital, I played a uh, two-on-two basketball game. It was me and this young black kid 
versus the white supremacist and a schizophrenic Christian named Chris. And so it was pretty much like, um, it was like that scene in American History X. We were just fighting for the races, you know, representing the races a little bit. And um, me and uh, the, uh, the dude on my team, Corwin, uh, we, uh, <clears throat> we did not have, well, first of all, let me preface this. We were playing a game of basketball on an indoor carpeted gym floor in hospital footy, footies, like the, the, the no-slip foot things, and with a deflated basketball. So it's two-on-two, me, Corwin, versus Chris and the white supremacist. Chris was a sweetheart of a man, uh, very good dude. He has a great jump shot. So the game started out, I didn't know he had such a great jump shot until it started going. But, so I was, like, I, originally I was defending Chris, which was a mismatch because he's the tall one and so is Corwin. So I should have been on the white supremacist. But, uh... Chris is uh, shooting these deep-ass jumpers, and I'm, like, barely even contending them. I'm barely even playing defense because I am barefooted or effectively barefooted on a carpeted floor. Not ideal for a game of basketball. Um, So Chris starts draining these these long-ass shots. Everything's worth one point. He starts draining these shots. Uh, So at one point, they're up, like, 5 nothing. And then at that point, me and Corman kind of figured out our routine a little bit, and that white supremacist dude was going hard. Like, he was trying to win a basketball game for the white race, trying to establish his dominance, and I just kept shutting him the fuck down, because dude was had not played the whole week on the basketball court like I had, I understood the limitations of the court, I understood what be playing on a carpeted basketball court does to your feet when you're wearing hospital socks, and uh, he did not, so he's just going hard, going really hard, uh, me and Corwin score a few points, they score a few points, we ended up losing 7-2, to two. so the white race won apparently, uh, but we won morally. Morally, we won. Empathetically, we won. Spiritually, we won. Uh, we were the better team in terms of morale. We were the better team in terms of cooperation and in terms of not hating people for the color of their skin. Uh, we were better for that. Um, so after the game ends, uh, this is the last thing I did in the hospital. I was going to discharge at like 3. So I get 3. It was late to get discharged, which of course, they had one nurse whose job was to discharge me and also chat in the entire new staff, which is... Great timing. Um, so while I was waiting for my discharge. I see the white supremacist kid, like crying in like the little co- like we call it the coffee shop area. It was one of the uh, the group rooms. So I go in there and get some water, and he's like, "Hey, uh, I promised Chris, the guy he played with, uh, was gonna sing a song for me in my discharge." So this kid who's like hated me and is crying. I see him. Hey, man, you all right? He said, "Yeah, I'm okay. I'm all right. I, I promised someone that I would sing you a song." Before I left the hospital, and I mean, so hey man, sit the fuck down. Your feet are killing you. I'll get you some water. So I got him some water. Told him, hey man, you don't have to sing for me, all right? Have a good one. I just got him some water and I left. I left this white supremacist, racist fuck, just crying in this room. Nothing. Nothing felt better, I guess, than that. Than like just like, the fact that he had to push himself so hard to try to prove himself a good basketball player, that he destroyed his feet in those hospital footies in the carpeted floor. Karma's a bitch. Karma's immediate sometimes, you know? And then um, I got discharged, and my mom picked me up from outside this hospital. And then because I lost my ID in this whole trip, uh, actually, I went into the hospital with my ID and cash and an Altoid tin, and um, Upon getting my bag back, the cash was gone, the alto tin was gone, and so was my ID. So somebody either accidentally disposed of my ID, threw away my ID, or downright stole my ID. So then I couldn't fly across the country. 
Uh, me and my mom had to rent a car and drive to Kansas City to pick up my other vehicle. And then we had to get, and I lost the keys for that car at some point, so we had to get a new key made for that car in the parking lot of the airport for $400. And then we had to drive that car from Kansas City back up to Wisconsin. So it was quite the little trip. You know, it was quite the manic Monday. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the time. And from there, you know, I've, I've had therapy. I've had my psychiatrist deployment. And things have been very stable. Things have been very good. I find myself uh, having a lot more hobbies, a lot of time. I'm back at work. I'm working a little bit part-time, making decent money, doing my podcast, doing comedy stuff. So things are going well. Uh, but it's been a traumatic year. Like, And it, it's weird when you get out of the mental hospital. Everybody else is like, worried about your mental health. But I was in such a good state that everybody else just felt crazy. Like, everybody else felt like they needed to go into a mental hospital. Like, I didn't feel like the crazy one at that point. I felt like everybody else was the crazy one for acting normal. Like, the world's chaos. And it's like, it's a shocker that more people aren't breaking. You know what I mean? But I'm happy that I'm doing okay. And um, I'm happy that life's going better. I'm After this, I'm, uh, this is probably going to be my only podcast this week. I might not do the Nick Davis Morning Show. Um, just kind of wanted to share my little bit of story on a manic Monday. Mm-hmm. Because today is Monday. Happy Labor Day. But um, I'm going to Salt Lake City on Wednesday. And I'm going to be there for a week. Uh, might do a podcast episode out there with a friend of mine. Uh, maybe we'll put that out when I get back. I'm not sure. Um, all I do know is that uh, I'm pretty happy. But I'm really bored. Life just seems boring right now. You know, I don't really know how to spend some of my time. All of my life is kind of in order. I'm not drinking. I'm not really partying. I'm not seeing a lot of people. I'm just kind of keeping my social circle small. COVID is still real. People still aren't wearing masks. We're all still going to die from that. Um, in addition, we have a crazy presidential election that's just going off. And Biden's, Biden's a corpse. This is to return to the policies that created Trump. Trump's a um, egomaniacal ego narcissist, narcissistic fascist. So that's fun. Uh, there's really no solution there. So I'm just trying to keep to myself, do my comedy, live my life, do the best things that I can do, and I think y'all should do the same. So I'm going to get out of here on that, guys. Keep this episode a little short. I'm not really feeling the podcast, so I hope you enjoyed this really heartfelt story. Um, I might put out some other stuff this week or not. I don't know. I don't care. It's my life. I'm going to do what I want. Um, enjoy the enjoy your week, guys. Uh, hopefully September's treating you guys pretty well. Um, as always, like, subscribe, review, all that gay shit. Uh, check us out. Uh, check out my website, www.knickdavis.com, nickdavis.com. I've got stand-up clips up there. I've got my appearances on Kill Tony as well as links to the podcast stuff. And uh, a bunch of information on there, a bunch of cool stuff. You can email the show at thenickdavisshow.com. That's the K-N-I-C-K-D-A-V-I-S-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. And you can find me on all socials at K-N-I-C-K-D-A-V-I-S. That's Nick Davis with two Ks, one on the front, one on the back. The K stands for cool if you're cool. Uh, anyways, guys, thank you for listening. And uh, enjoy this little song here on the end. And have yourselves a fantastic week. And take care of your mental health, all right? Fuck off. I love you. What have I freestyled over this for a little bit, huh? What are we thinking? What are we feeling? How are we doing? Haven't freestyled in a while. Gotta get my shit back on style. This beat is real slow, so you already know. My name is Nick Nag on the attack. Hey, what are we gonna do? We're gonna have some fun. Gonna drink some rum. Gonna shoot a gun. Maybe not. What are we gonna do? Have some fun.
I guess. Get it done, hey. What are we gonna do? We're gonna try our best, gonna do the rest, gonna have a festival. Go to festival, buy some non-alcoholic beer, gotta get my ass right out of here. Go outside and get some sun, get some rays, get shit done. I don't really know where this song is gonna go, but I do know it ain't low. This is probably where like a hook would be in the song, but I don't really know how to do a hook. I mean, like, look, here's the thing. I mean, like, I can't like read a book about it, but I don't know. What are we gonna do? Life is hard and it's gonna go far. Life is gonna go fast. Life can knock you on your ass and first you can blast all the haters, all the lovers, everybody that gives you things to cover. Cover up. Listen up. My name's Nick and I'm on the cut. What we gonna do? We gonna do our best. They leaving everybody. Fuck. God. I haven't freestyled in a long time, but thank God this beat is slow, like I said before. You may remember. You a whore, I'm a whore, put my dick on the floor. Hey, punchlines, setups, verses. Oh my God, who are my verses? I never know who's on the other side. All I know is that I got my bitches in the ride. Hey, I don't really have bitches per se I mean I I have women that I communicate with that I respect and they probably wouldn't like that I called them bitches right there but hey where where am I even going what is life what is this thing we're doing who knows man I don't know I'm just trying my best fuck off I love you One more verse for your sticky little ass And I gotta go real quick And I gotta go blast Hey, I'm Nick And I got a stinky dick And I gotta go in, bitch Fuck your shit quick And I don't really know how to do this rap shit All I know is jokes Got the jokes, got the bits, man Got a plan and I'm doing my best to follow it And I don't know if I'm gonna quit Fuck never gonna quit what the fuck am i saying bitches in my bed your bitch where she laying in my sack on the attack coming quick motherfucker gotta step back thanks for listening to the song if you got this far and i know someday i'll be a star be a fan before you you know even you know had a chance really be a fan before everybody else is what i'm trying to say don't be so fucking gay that's what everyone said to me when I was growing up. But here's the thing, just being me, doing the best I can, is all you can ever be. Thanks for listening to my shitty freestyle.
my okay podcast have a good week yeah